Welcome back to part three of the Bill podcast with Sally Rogers and Chris Simmons, which, as with part two, is being released over two years after the recording to tie in with Sally's play The Still Room, starring Chris and directed by BAFTA-winning The Bill director Nigel Douglas, which was due to make its world premiere in April 2020, which didn't happen for obvious reasons. But now, after lots of patience and perseverance, The Still Room will finally make its debut at the Park Theatre near Finsbury Park Station in London on June the 1st. Part three of this special trilogy will feature more insight about the play and lots more The Bill memories. We begin with Sally recalling the casting process to play one of the true icons of Sunhill CID, the legendary DS Joe Masters. You see, in those days, we had Wendy Spon was the head of casting... She was brilliant at her job and I remember she sat me down in an office and I just used her desk because Joe Masters was so high status that I just used her desk, put my lines down on it and, you know, swung around in the swivelly chair and quite enjoyed it really. And she, she's great, Wendy, she read in with me and just an enjoyable experience and, you know, by then I was old enough to know, well... The face fits, etc. Yeah. I didn't really want the job either, if I'm honest. Really? I had real mixed feelings about it. Yours was a whole life changer, wasn't it? Yeah, I just was nervous of committing to something for a long time and I'd never done that before and I was a snobby little madam and, you know, and actually it was one of the most fascinating experiences. Yeah. I think I, I, think I resolved, okay, if I'm going to do a long-running gig, I want to learn properly about acting for camera yeah. And I remember just getting so kneeling at the altar of all the crew. What you, What do you mean? You, if you focus, Paula, what does that really mean? Because often yeah. you'd swing in as a guest person and you just have to be to politely do your thing That's and leave. Yeah, yeah. Whereas suddenly we had consistency. So I knew all the crew and, you know, I knew all of their roles and, you know, if the, right, we're changing a lens, what, why are we changing a lens? But, you know, I just truly thrived yeah, on yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. You joined the show at a very, I can imagine, well, in your first two years, they had two huge cast culls. Big storyline, all fall down, and, you know, one minute you've got people welcoming you, yeah, and five minutes later, they're all... Well, the whole regime, the whole regi- literally after nine months after being there, the whole regime left, yeah. the old regime, yeah. and um, the new guy came in and cleared a load out and nobody knew who was going to be and literally to this day I think he came in I didn't didn't know he, know how much he knew about the bill at the time but I just remember I was on a four part special that was on the, the, the literally the weeks that he came in about this football hooligan and uh, and I thought well he's got to be watching it and it was a fantastic it was like ID it was like the Bills sort of you know a little bit watered down version of ID that Reese Dinsdale it's a fantastic um storyline and I was in all the way through that and I think I don't know putting two and two together I might come up with eight but he was watching you know what the bill at the time and I had a great part on it and yeah. I like to think that you know but there was a few poor actors that were like that, that, that went and they went well just go and have a look at back at some of my old episodes you know he mm. just didn't know who some of them were and you know it was a bit grey at the time and he wanted to colour it up and you know mm. make it younger and sexier as you first do and yeah so I've Lucky to dodge a bullet in the first yeah, year. Do you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. So you weren't there when I started, were you? I think I've gone. So were you always going to come back, or were you? No, I went. I went out and did. 
like a couple of tellies mm. and then the bill said come back would you like to do a three-part murder story i was like oh, yeah of course and i came back and did that when when i think you'd already started at that point was that the first live episode the first one i was oh, in the second one. yeah that must have got the butterflies going oh my god yeah, oh, yeah i was pregnant it was like an adrenaline washing machine in my stomach oh. poor baby must have you know yeah it's amazing to think back in the day that every everything was live, you know, emergency water. I know. And that, that, that. I love hearing people's stories about Z cars and crawling on the hands and knees to get from one desk yeah. to another yeah. behind. Imagine yeah. that. But then, yeah. in the first in those days, in telly wasn't so intimidating because not everybody watched it anyway, really. Yeah, yeah. There's a great Z car story where the uh, the screen showing the car moving didn't stop on cue, and so James Ellis said, "In fact, I'll just pop out here quickly and just jumped out, jumped out of the car because it looked like he jumped out of oh, a rolling car really? because it, the screen didn't stop. Oh, <laughs> so goodness. he just dives out of a moving police car. <laughs> on, on the oh, brilliant. <laughs> Things that they had to do. Brilliant. Wow, yeah. But what what appealed to you both about the characters on paper? Presumably there was like a character bible, and how much did that change throughout both of your times? You know, what was the character you got at the beginning? I mean, I'll, I'll just start you, Chris, because in your very first stories, Mickey, you're on a night shift and you're on a point to go out and prove this is your manner now, yeah, yeah. you know, and you ignore all the advice from yeah. Trudy and Mark and all the established characters. Yeah. You're going to go out and take on single-handed the toughest criminal yeah. on Sunil Manor, and it's just, yeah, but he's out on a out on a mission like Maverick Mickey, you know. Uh, yeah. So you know, I think he calmed down a bit, yeah, you know, yeah. once he got established. But um, what appealed to you about Mickey, and how well defined was he at the uh, beginning? You got given your breakdown, you came in, and then it's then it's kind of up to the actor to to kind of put on the sprinkles to add the you know the little because if you don't you just sort of, we we were a bit more lucky because we were in the CID and we were all individual characters i always used to say about the uniforms i was like and i'd try to say they'll give you stories at the beginning but you can have you have got to run with them stories and you've yeah. got to bring on and i'm not telling you how or what to do but you've got to, have got to bring your individuality and something to that to make them go wow did you see and that's it. That's how they they hook you. And they think, that, have you seen what he does or what they do with blah, blah, blah? I mean, we gave him a little bit, but now, he, now they've done that. And if you don't do that, because you all look the same, you're all in them uniforms. It was almost like you've got to raise your game almost sometimes more than the CID characters. They'll see who they like working with, what chemistry works and what doesn't work. Mm. And then all the, all the natural stuff starts to come out of it, you know. Yeah, my character was brilliant. I just, he just, he was one of these little, he'd always lose. He was, he'd like 70% of the time lose, but he'd always throw himself in and have a go. He weren't frightened of anybody. Weren't like the, 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 the stereotype, oh, he does his, he does it its own way. You know, there was a lot of them, but he just used to, you know, get involved and, and, um, Unlucky in love. Unlucky in love. And he, I think he was every man. He was yeah. every man. Do you know what I mean? So, which I think made them easy to write for, him easy to write for. You could pretty much throw him into any story. It wasn't like, oh, that's what he does. Yeah, so I was well lucky with stories. Really, really lucky. And I would, we'd go into the scheduling office, wouldn't we? And I'd be, I'd like it if they were thinking, bloody hell, I'm not in at all. And you'd just know that you'd get, <laughs> get a lovely little rest. <laughs> but, you know, some people would get a bit paranoid thinking, oh, they're not writing for me, they're not writing for me. And sometimes that would happen, that you wouldn't get written for and you just get faded out. Mm. Because I think they did have this sort of benchmark that you had to find your own way and step up to, you know. It's like we keep coming back to it again and again and again, but it comes back for me for that character actor who can access... Yeah. 
details and understand how to run with a character and yeah. how that appeals to the writers because then they can hang their hat on something. And the one thing it was very good at doing was moving and changing because if it had stayed, I don't think it would have lasted uh, mm. 27, 28 years. Mm. It just kept changing. It kept changing. It tried that, it tried that. That didn't work. It brought Young in, it did this. Your era when you first started, uh, people feel the Paul Marquez era is the soapy era. Do you think that's a fair description it was a little Not, diluted i felt yes but at the time i think the reason for it was it was it was visually a little bit gray mm. this is what they said at the time he had to come in and put color there wasn't no it was the first time where you thought wow are you old enough to be a copper whereas mm. i remember going on the back end of that regime and literally every one of them was just this stout you know, the Tosh, the Simon, yeah, the yeah. Billy, Ray Ashcroft, <laughs> yeah. men. Yeah. They were all blokes, you know, blokey yeah. blokes, chauvinistic, you know. And that was the sort of end of that, you know, mm. where this new guy had come in and, and uh, you know, some of the new ones were in their early 20s. I just, just jumped in on the back of that and I was sort of like the whippersnapper running around with all them guys. Whether at the time it could have had something to do with some the ratings, you know, and this new guy's just come in and gone, well, there's no colour in it, you know, we need younger, we need this, and before you know it, it's, mm. you know, it happened so quickly yeah. that we were, um, I think he was given a... Like an edict. On yes, this is, it needs to be more this, it needs to be more this, you know, and it was drastic, yeah. that sort of change. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it added three million viewers yeah, to the viewing people, well so, it. you know, yeah, he kept, really kept well. the show alive. You asked earlier about um, what kind of telly we responded to, and and you think about all my era. I'm older than Chris, but uh, you know, seasoned coppers, gnarled coppers, who are just hung over. The marriage is in crisis. Yeah. You know, they they know that they're playing the same game as the baddies, but we're you know we're just the different side of the fence. Those are the best characters I think that yeah. worked and that's why our characters work well because the writers really understood I'd open a script and think you know sometimes he would be frustrated but mainly I think they understand this woman that I'm playing mm. well, if they got you they totally got you yeah. by the time if you've been doing it for so long you're thinking I bet I know I wrote this yeah. you know and they'd go mm. and I talked to some of the writers they went you're so yeah. easy to write for you're so I was like, yeah. and it's a, that's amazing to hear you know mm. well you had an incredible storyline the rape storyline yeah you performed Stunning, brilliant performance, and it's still highly regarded. That must be when you open that, you think, Oh wow, this right. is yeah. Well, I went in and I said to the boss at the time, which pulled my cast, I said, I'm gonna go, Paul. I just want to just get out there, and you know, I've done a lovely three years, I love it here, you know. And I asked for everything, I was really cheeky. I said, I, you know, I don't want to be killed off, you know, I'd love to, I'd never write off coming back here. I've had such a lovely time, um, and I'd love a great storyline out. And he just sort of looked at me, and you know took the piss out of me a little bit, as he does, in a very friendly way. And then he came back and then he told me that. I was just like, oh my goodness. I'll be honest, it did take me a good week to get my head around that, thinking there's just something that just didn't sit right with it. It just didn't sit right with me. I was thinking, oh, and then I just thought, wow. And then then you sort of put yourself aside and you just think, wow, what a, what a, what a through line to play, to have something like that, you know, mm. just like to go and explore or talk to people about that sort of thing. So I just sort of like took it on, really. It was handled very sensitively. Well, there was one, I remember there was one bit I literally had to be, uh, I can literally rip the rip the mickey out of myself all day long and all day. And, and I remember there was one bit, we did the warehouse scene and I had to bend over this table 
and we had to do crew rehearsals all the time where you're rehearsed, you're doing the rehearsal you rehearse with the actors and director and then you rehearse and then you show the crew so we did this crew rehearsal in front of about 25 people in this warehouse and I had to bend over this thing and one of the guys one guy just literally one of the sparks just made some sort of daft <laughs> sort of daft comment you know as you do and I laugh now but I've never ever been so embarrassed I stood up I stood, the only time I really lost I stood up and I stood, you know and I said do you want to come over and bend yeah, you know yeah, you know, you're just yeah. thinking mate you know your timing do you know what I mean yeah. and I absolutely lost it so that's how sensitive it yeah. was such a you know and the director was on to him you know and I went up to him after I said oh, don't worry Miles I'll just you know and he went no it was so insensitive to say that quite <laughs> funny <Wow, yeah. laughs> but yeah it was it was like you know so it, it, they were handled beautifully some of the stories and, and how nice that they picked out because I think Mickey, as a character, gave Simon Rouse some of his best stuff. And that's one of the great partnerships in the Bill history. Yeah. And that lovely scene where he's comforting you and you break down. Yeah. Simon Rouse, one of those actors, he's played that role for 20 years. He never looked like he phoned in a performance. Was Never. Never. Giving it that extra... Yeah, yeah. He was like, Simon, I'm, I'm his biggest fan. He's absolutely bonkers in the most pleasant way. Sally's worked with him a couple of times as well on other stuff. He, when so when a guest actor come in, he was like a child all the time. He was so happy to see someone new, and he was so he just brought the truth to everything, you know. And it's a classic example of how you meet someone and you're thinking, bloody hell, he's absolutely nothing like. He's so wispy and and away with the fairies, and then you literally turn it turn it on. We did a, uh, an all or nothing at Worthing once before we did it in the West End and everything. Simon Mouse played uh, the. Don Arden part, the music manager, and he didn't know his lines. He was all over the place. He was just away with it. Everyone was thinking, and the boys, because we were only doing this one-off performance, that they pulled me aside and they said, Chris, we're just really, really worried because he's getting, literally, he's not got his lines right once. He always says things in the wrong order. He sort of laughs. He said, is he okay? I went, trust me. I said, come, come that night. Of course, the performance came and Simon was just like, yeah. just oh, absolutely oh. zoned into it. Yeah, they were like, oh, oh my God. I said, yeah, that's him. You know, wow. he was phenomenal. You know, there was an episode of The Bill on with the sound down. Mm. I looked at the screen and Simon was I thought interviewing somebody and then I just saw the way he put his hand on this girl's hand and I thought he's in love with that girl. Only he could touch someone's hand so tenderly that even with the sound down I knew it was a loving moment you know that and that's him that he just brings it when he has to. Yeah yeah yeah. Very powerful actor really. Yeah. Nutty, absolutely. Nutty is a fruitcake, <laughs> uh, 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 um, but loved it. it. Like you know, there was there was, there was you know. I'm not getting into names, but there was actors that would be there that would moan and moan and moan. Yeah. And we and the words for us would be like, leave, mm. just leave. <laughs> it's very yeah. simple. And but but the polar opposite of that was Simon. You know, it was like it was his first day. He was excited. You know, yeah, he was and he was great. And and I I looked up to him as a young actor, thinking, geez, he's you know, I'd I, I'd ask him stuff. Can I? You know, he was, I, yeah, he was. It would always give you help and stuff. Yeah. Very, very, very fond memories. A very, yeah. very lovely place. Went through lots of changes. Millions of actors. The only thing that would stay the same is us, is our mm. parts. Every three weeks, there would be different director. There would be different guest actors. There'd be different locations. There'd be different flats, different huge big lawyers' houses that the, we, we were shooting in. The only thing that stayed the same was our characters. So every three weeks, if you're, if you're on a shit episode with someone you don't like, it's over in three weeks. And you're doing something new again. That's what, that's what was... I have no problem with saying. I'm not saying 
it's 100 percent true that that if it was still on now, I could possibly, possibly still be there. Mm. It was that much fun, mm. yeah. and it was that different all the time. I don't think I could do another show where it's the same mm. stories or it's the same, you know. But we didn't do the same stories. I've never laughed so much in my lifetime. In, in fact, randomly, this is so random. I've never been to a football match in my life, and then uh, maybe two years after the bill ended, I went to see. Cardiff versus Fulham someone had given us a free ticket took my son and they were doing all the business in the uh, interval half time (laughs) (laughs) and the camera was there and the guy holding the cable was Terry (laughs) and I had tears streaming down my face I was going Terry Terry like you know like just you know, millions of people, millions of Cardiff fans, like, cheer, you know, yeah. just, just like, oh, talent! You know, but that, I just so flooded with love for a member of the crew because that, because that, because that, what, we were family. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that magic? <laughs> It was. it was great. It was great, wasn't it? It was great. Mm. You could the building was big enough. You could lose yourself. You know, it was just a. It was just a. Yeah, we were very lucky. weren't we? we were very lucky. You yeah. go to your dressing room and you'd be invited to this and invited to that. You know, you're very lucky. Very, very lucky. It was like, you know, there wasn't much to moan about. I don't think. Do you want to see Chris do that drop down thing that I was talking about before? Yeah, if you could do it, yeah. Do you, don't do your knees in. Do you need to warm up? Move your trainers. You've got to imagine that this is on a... I won't be able to do it now, but I'll pull something. I'll pull something and it goes, something goes twang. So if you've got to imagine that the things like that. Yeah. We're taking the mickey out of each other in the scene. And, and, and I think she's taking the mickey out of me. Joe was taking the mickey out of me going, what do you know about bloody, what do you know about bloody disco dancing? And, yeah. are, and I'm like, tell Mark to show me your best move then, show you your best move. My best move was something like, God, I so used to warm up. So if you imagine the shots like that, yeah. she's like, go on then. And, I'm, and I go. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, she's like, <laughs> <laughs> It's like the trigger moment from Joe Boy, wasn't it? Yeah. We're having that in the We're having that in the Oh, I love it. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's funny. Were you happy when they put Joe into uniform and made you a sergeant? Oh, I've got so much to say about this. Yeah. They'd been looking for a and then I don't know whose idea it was to suggest maybe that I would could do it. So they called me in, do I want to? I was like, oh God, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I genuinely didn't know. I'm sure they presented me with the story idea of why and where and, you know. So the artist in me thought, okay, this could be really interesting. Went for a try on, on the, in the outfit. Saw Sam Callis and Alex Walkinshaw, and they went for. I was like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be absolutely honest with you. Day one, I was like, I am freezing my knackers off on a housing estate, and my friends are all dripping in cashmere in CID. I remember Amita Deary going, mm, just on my second cappuccino. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought, all oh, right, so when you're in uniform, it really is much more like doing the job. Yeah. And that was a bit of a shock, if I'm honest. It was, it was, um, I don't regret it because it was interesting and because the, then we started to finish off. Yeah, I prefer to, I do. You lose a little bit of your identity with that uniform. Yeah. You really do. Which is interesting because in my play, everyone wears a banquet waitress outfit. Yeah. And I 
I think it really gives yeah. the girls an identity, but I felt I lost quite a lot of my identity wow. in that outfit. But I think that could happen in your play as well if they weren't decent enough. Because they were yeah. similar age. Yeah. And if they weren't so good, the girls are fantastic. One's got a different pace to the other one. The other one's just straight out and it comes straight out of her mouth. And then there's another girl that comes yeah. into it who's different again. But if they weren't, they've got to bring that. Do you wish you guys, when the format changed, had been given like another year for it to... Yes. Oh. I think personally, I was burned out. Mm. I was done. And I think I felt... I remember the behind-the-scenes documentary about it yeah. ending. I was the documentary maker's idea of hell because she'd come up to me going, how do you feel? It's the last ever episode. And all I could say was, I'm just relieved. I'm relieved. I'm done. Mm. But I thought it had really was starting to find its feet and was sexy and was something yeah. I was proud of. You can't compare that early Bill sort of stuff to the Line of Duty, but, you know, the Line of Duty, it's just moved on so much, hasn't it? That, that was fantastic, the Line of Duty. But when the, when it was right at the end, mm. you know, and it got a good story, a real good story with a strong cast and the way it was shot and, and the yeah. there was helicopters oh. and, you know, yeah. what, what they were filming down on, it was like, wow. Yeah. You know, the bravery with what they could do from nine till ten, you know. Yeah. Bit of soundtrack as well. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. It was super cool. It was super cool. But I think what happened was, I mean, you know, the producer said to me that when they did make that transition, they brought the stronger actors in to do more of the lion's share of the work, and I think that's what slightly broke me. Right. Just in constantly, constantly night shoots, constantly, constantly. Yeah, yeah. And when you worked, you worked, didn't you? you, you sometimes you absolutely robbed the living. You robbed the living, thinking, "How much did I just get?" You know, for for doing, you know, mm. three scenes in one week because you've just got a cough and a spit on someone's episode. And another time, you will earn every single penny where yeah. you're in every scene yeah. in a makeup chair at seven o'clock. You, you, you leave at seven o'clock. You've still got to learn tomorrow's. You know. You, mm. you know there was a there was you had to be of a certain metal to, um, to to just to keep going. You know to keep going on and on. Yeah, yeah. Could it work now? So I don't know. I honestly don't know. When I, when you say the things like the line of duty and some of the really good cop shows, you know, was the bill for then and not for now? I don't know. I'd, you'd like to think it would because it's literally just. It's the station in everyone's living room, isn't it? Mm. It was the station that everyone knew about, you know. You knew exactly where you was all the time. Mm. Whereas The Line of Duty was, and, and, and other brilliant uh, police dramas, it's, they're here, there and everywhere, but it's, um, their stories are fantastic. This was in this police station yeah. all the time. This is where we was. It was all about, you know, coming to our police station. Well, we talked about... The, you know, going back to that flawed humans thing of just, you know, the same characters, but really on the bones of their arse and, uh, you know, someone living yeah. on someone's sofa because they've been kicked out by the missus and, you know, going out to get in their shitty car, which has failed its MOT and it's got a flat tyre. And, you know, yeah. just just might be interesting to explore the same people, but really burned out. Yeah. Mm. To yeah, come yeah. back to that phrase, you know, just... Did you enjoy the last episode? No, I found it extremely moving. Yeah. That last very complicated shot that you all did it was perfectly. incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was incredible. It just made me it made me feel proud watching it as a viewer because I grew up watching it like you guys, yeah. you know, my, my folks. And and you just it just seemed like why is this stopping? That, that's the over overriding thing. I'd have loved to have seen what that 2011 series would have looked like. We was always if we had little tiny niggles. 
I don't know about you, sir, but for me, sometimes it was when you're working there all the time, it did sort of come relentless and you sort of thought, wow, this would be great if it was just to have your three months or your, you know, six months on, six months off. Yeah. That would be like, that's the dream really, isn't yeah. it? Where you can go off and be arty somewhere else yeah. or, you know, yeah, yeah. The whole, the whole place owned you. But I like, uh, the reason why I liked the ending the, was, was that life was, I like that just life goes on. Yeah. That, I loved that. It was just like, you know, life moves on. You know, this is no. This isn't a big end with a bow on it. This is, no. you know. Yeah, you were taking a load of hooligans out the back when you load of. Like, that's it. Like that. It was lovely. Yeah, yeah, it was lovely. And that, like you said, that lovely speech that Simon gave, and it was just, you know. I, I think when I went, when I moved to West London, I started to see more policing and shenanigans, and I just would like to see it with more edge and darker and. Yeah more real so for example i remember seeing two plainclothes detectives on the harrow road grapple a man to the ground they didn't look like joe masters no one had a fancy shirt mm. she had a dirty shitty ponytail you know the guy looked like a, the, the, the detective looked like a crook himself you know yeah. and there was a drug dealer that lived on the adjacent corner to me and one morning i saw a raid on his house and those coppers were terrified before they went in that room yeah. because they didn't know if you're going to get a dog, a knife, a gun. Mm. And, and, and it changed the way I started to act. So when, whenever we did a raid, I would run up and down the street so that I was a little bit, mm. you know, adrenaline riddled mm. because it was always a little tiny bit polished yeah. for my money. Yeah. And the reality is it's dirty. Policing is dirty. Yeah, yeah. And you did you do that more though when you went into the uniform side of it, where you, it was three in the morning jobbies rather than a bit, but you know, still felt we were all was yeah. still a little bit polished, and you know, they did give you some cracking stuff as a sergeant. There's a scene did where you, they? You bollock, I can't remember. You, you bollocked two of the officers because they're flipping a coin as to who's going to oh, tell yes. someone that, yes. that their child's been killed. That's right. Oh my god, yeah, that and was that great writing. Them. Brilliant. Yeah, that they were flipping a coin yeah. to say, you go and say, tell them that, the, you know, and that I've overheard it. Wow. Go and bollock yeah, them. Yeah. yeah, quality. It starts with me giving CPR. And I asked if I could have a time with a guy that does it really. And he said, they never, ever, ever get it right on telly because you can't, obviously you can't on a body, you can't push as hard as you should. And he said, you should be incapable of speaking by the time you've tried to save someone's life because it takes so much energy so then i remember asking the director if can you let me let me just pace up and down before we start the dialogues that you know just things like that are what fascinate me about telly i want to just start making an episode right now (laughs) (laughs) let's do the show right here One yeah. of our other pals, Kieran Griffiths, he's a very fantastic, fantastic character actor. When he got taken up to CID, they thought, what, what would be the most bizarre transition? And it was Kieran going to CID. He tied weights around his ankles so he could walk. He, you know, he, he said he, he felt too fidgety and too... So he said he tied these weights, didn't he? And literally, so he would walk, so he would, and, like, walk with a bit of a bowl on him like that. Oh, I love he it. He would do everything like that, Kieran, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, any more Wayne and Abel? I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> Kieran's gone to Australia now. He's found an agent in Australia. Wow. Uh, yes, he's, he's gone, gone to He's gone to Australia. Yeah, yeah. He's just going to give it a try over there. I mean, are you aware of? Does it still follow you both around? The, the huge appeal that the bill has in Australia, and the fact it's 
always on. Yeah, we know, went, so. Carl and George and I went over there in 2003. I've never seen anything like it. We couldn't go, we couldn't move anywhere without people wow. like, yeah, it was incredible. It's like one of their biggest shows out there at the time. Yeah, yeah. I think Australia, I mean, if, we, if it had ever gone to America, that's where we would have been uh, choo-ching, but yeah, yeah. I don't think it ever did. It might have made some small late night, but, um, but Australia was, the, was mm. the main one. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for doing can, this. Can I leave you with one more thing? Of course. So, some years ago, my then partner and I were in a very swanky hotel in Mallorca on the side of a hill. And uh, my ex phoned Chris and he went, here, Chris, we're in this really nice hotel. There's a lot of good-looking single girls around this pool. Get yourself over here. About eight minutes later, he landed in Mallorca. And I just remember looking up. I mean, I'm obviously joking, like the, the next day. Looking up to see Chris in a pair of shorts and flip-flops, a pork pie hat, bag of booze, bag of food. Oh, cheese and ham. And he just went, anybody order a dickhead? <laughs> that's as true as it happens. And that's well. why I love him. <laughs> On that bombshell, <laughs> Sally Rogers, Chris Simmons, thank you both so much. Now, way back in January 2020, that interview finished not with that very funny Mallorca tale, but with Sally and Chris's hopes for the immediate future after what should have been the production of The Still Room. So I think the only sensible thing to do is to invite Sally and Chris back onto The Bill podcast. And I'm thrilled to say that they will be returning for a newly recorded fourth part of their podcast, where they'll be joined by the director of The Still Room and 22 cracking episodes of The Bill, Mr Nigel Douglas. So we can find out how the last two years have treated them, what it's been like to get The Still Room back on stage and now what their hopes are for the immediate future. Please do book your tickets to see The Still Room at the Park Theatre in London, a short walk from Finsbury Park Station. It's playing between June the 1st and the 25th, and I think these legends, after a lengthy wait, deserve our support, and I'll hopefully see a few of you there. So stay tuned for more gold dust. In the meantime, take very good care of yourselves. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. Hello, this is Ben Payton and you have been listening to The Bill Podcast. Produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. Co-produced by Ben Adams, Sarah Kuiper, Alex Mockler and Simon Wolfe. Executive produced by Ben Ashmore, Daniel Christopher, Alana Dewar, Andrew Dyack, Paul Dunn, Dan Evans, George Fairbrother, Stuart Gibbon, Luke Hegarty, Edward Kellett, James Ladane, Lucy McNeil, Stuart and Jen Morris, Claire Norbury, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington, Angel Stannard, Patrick Stratford, Sarah Went and Michael Weil. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com and Misty Moon Events. Signed copies of Oliver Crocker's book, Witness Statements, are available from devonfirebooks.com. Yeah.